I would be more creative with our financing. Yeah. Because we passed up on a couple of really good deals that I think were like slam dunk and we just didn't have cash on hand to do like a traditional conventional financing. And so we said, oh, okay, well, I guess that means we can't get it. Hello, and thank you for joining us today on the Gentle Art of Crushing It show, where we focus on learning and sharing with our listeners all there is to know about how to create success in our lives. This show stands on the shoulders of giants. Our mission is to empower and inspire our listeners to create the life of their dreams whilst having a blast in the process. Let's celebrate life together. Welcome to the show. All right. Welcome back to another show of the general art of crushing it. My name is Nathan with Undoor Properties, and I am your Monday host. And I'm one of six hosts who bring you conversations three times a week on a variety of topics from business to real estate to personal motivation. And our goal, you know, with this podcast is to help you succeed at whatever target you're aiming at. And we're all, as always, we're committed to finding the best and brightest people who aren't just talking about big things, but are actually taking steps to achieve those dreams and wanting to help others along the way. And today is no different. As we talk to Emily and James, they're better known as Rethink the Rat Race on most social platforms. And they talk to us about house hacking, um, how they went from being regular people, regular jobs, and how they reached financial freedom in uh, two years acquiring 10 units. And since those 10 units and financial freedom, they've been traveling the world. And one of the things that they do best is give great advice. Um, so follow them on all the social media. And with that, let's hop onto the conversation with uh, Emily and James. All right, Emily, James, welcome to the show. How you doing? Um, you go by James and Emily, but also uh, known as Rethink the Rat Race on a lot of the social media, just to you know put things into context here. How you doing today? We're doing great. Yeah, we're doing really good. Awesome. Well, I'm excited to have you on. Thank you very much for your time. So why don't we just kick this off? Uh, why don't you tell us and tell the audience who's James, who's uh, Emily, who's you know Rethink the Rat Race? So I'm Emily. Yeah, and I'm James. Yeah, that, that might not have been easy to guess. And us together, I guess, are Rethink the Rat Race. Mm -hmm. Awesome. And what's Rethink the Rat Race, sorry, all about? So it's exactly what it sounds like, pretty on the nose. We're trying to teach people, or especially at the beginning we were, trying to teach people that you don't have to be in the rat race, you know, uh, and that was... Honestly, it was chronologically kind of going through our route to financial independence at the beginning, and it's morphed into we didn't know when we started it that we were going to be like focused heavily on real estate. And so it's kind of turned into a real estate kind of content creation around that. Before we jump into the show, we wanted to let you know that this episode is brought to you by EveryREITool.com. Every REI tool is the most comprehensive online catalog of resources for real estate investors and professionals. Whether you are looking for the best deal analyzer, the most loved syndication platform, fix and flip rehab calculators, dialers, lead generation solutions, rent collectors, or the next real estate book to read, every REI tool has it all. Quickly and easily find the best software, apps, services, books, podcasts, and courses to help accelerate and grow your real estate business by heading over to everyreitool.com. And don't forget to sign up to get exclusive product reviews, promos, and discount codes. everyreitool.com. Now, on to the show. 
So what's your story, I guess, to, you know, that led you to rethink the rat race? You mentioned, you know, real estate. And obviously, if we, you know, look at your profiles online and whatnot, you were able to reach uh, financial independence. And I think you were, quote unquote, regular people, regular jobs. And now you're free traveling the world. We were just talking about that before we hit record. But what's your story to get to the from and the to, you know, from regular people and jobs to financially free. So it all started in March 25th of 1991. Uh, <laughs> I was born. And uh, so my parents are deaf and I felt like I didn't have access to information that other people had. And I didn't realize at the time, no one's really talking about this stuff. But I thought that like, Everybody around the dinner table is talking about 401ks and IRAs and stuff like that. And I would just hear it in passing and I would have no idea what that was. And little did I know I was just like 99% of Americans that have no clue what it is. But I felt like the onus was on me to figure it out because my parents didn't have access to that information either. So that kind of predisposition me towards the concept of like investing and stuff like that, even though I didn't do it at the beginning. And actually I was the opposite. I was terrible with money, but we went from living kind of hand to mouth. We had decent jobs, but we were just kind of living paycheck to paycheck. Like if anything came up, we would have struggled. We didn't, we weren't struggling financially other than the fact that like we were just spending everything that came in. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't like we had a lot of debt or anything like that. There were no scares, but it wasn't for, you know, lack of trying, honestly. <laughs> and honestly, we found out about financial independence through my work. Um, there was a patient that we had. I worked at a physical therapy clinic and there was a patient that we had that mentioned that if she had heard about this website, she would have retired already her and her husband and so that really like piqued my interest and it turns out that that was mr money mustache wow, and great resource so, yeah exactly so i dove head first into it and i was like we are gonna do this we are gonna do this we're gonna do this and i was gung-ho day one um unfortunately i did not pose the opportunity as well as i could have to emily so uh she was pretty <laughs> against it at the beginning for sure very against it. yeah that was on me, though, because she came home and I was like, listen, we're not going out to eat anymore. We're not doing this. We're not doing that. And it came from a place of love. Right. Like I was like, yeah. we're going to we're going to do this thing and it's going to be amazing. Um, but to her, it sounded like, you know, a complete 180 from the way that we were living. And it sounded like uh, like deprivation, essentially, as opposed yeah. to yeah. like abundance. Mm -hmm. And uh, but once once we were both on the same page and started focusing on financial independence, it went very quickly because we did pretty much everything that you could do to get there. And what's what's that? What's the everything that you could do to get there? Help help the audience kind of understand what you went through to, to get there. Because I think you got there in a couple of years, right? Yeah. yeah so very that's impressive. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, obviously, it's you know, very impressive, but it's also, um, I guess, important to understand that it doesn't necessarily take you know, 30 years to get there or 20 years to get there. If you do the right things and you have the right focus and you take the right action, right, you can get there much, much faster. So what were those things for, for, you, for you folks? So frugality was one of the main things we focused on at the beginning. We focused on getting our money right, having disposable income, limiting our expenses, and that gave us disposable income to be able to invest in real estate, our 401ks, our IRAs. And so, I mean, literally every single thing we spent money on from top to bottom, we adjusted in some way or another. So our housing, we went from a big fancy condo to a smaller condo and then ended up going into house hacking and we're living for free. We drove shitty cars. Um, 
we had at one point like I had a bunch of cars I used to be a really big car guy and then went from one extreme to the other and bought like a two thousand dollar Nissan Versa <laughs> that didn't have back seats and like the, the trunk was a, didn't the hatch didn't even open and so it was discolored yeah it was discolored somebody had backed it into a mailbox it was like to me it was the unsexy millionaire is the term that I would tell myself when I was driving this thing <laughs> uh, we cut our phone bill we cut cable. Every, I mean, genuinely everything. We, you know, started shopping at Aldi. It was essentially like if Aldi didn't have it, then we couldn't afford it. Um, but it was also, we also weren't unhappy. We were yeah. also happy with everything. Yeah, we were definitely gaming to the system for yeah. us. It was like we were just tracking our income and just spending as little as possible. Mm -hmm. But we would also go out to eat with our friends. We took a couple of Europe trips. Even then, we kind of prioritized spending on travel. And so while it sounds like it was pretty extreme, it wasn't as extreme as it could have been, I guess. Yeah. It was conscious, right? Conscious frugality, right? It wasn't deprivation to reuse your, your term from earlier, right? It's not like you were living miserably. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And actually for us, it was, it was a lot of fun. It was like a challenge. We kind of gained <laughs> every part of it. You know, how much could we save? How much does biking to work save me per trip? You know, like that kind of stuff. It was ridiculous. How much Cost per food? calorie. Yeah. How much free food we could get from work. <laughs> it was, it was nonstop. Everything from top to bottom. Yeah. Awesome. And Emily, can you maybe uh, t tell us a bit more, talk to us a bit more about how that, um, uh, that change in kind of, uh, you know, James's, you know, attitude around financial freedom, what, you know, how that was for you, right? And what he said, or what he did, or kind of what you went through to, to go from being surprised, I guess, to say the least, right, when this kind of started to now seemingly being on board, because I think a lot of people go through that. I know my wife and I went through the same thing. Um, it was the exact same thing when I kind of, uh, you know, told told her, quote unquote, here that we're going to do this, asked her, I think is a better way to put it. <laughs> so um, James did send me some of the articles of Mr. May Mustache, but I had no interest in reading them. Um, and so I, I came, like he said, I came home and literally it was like, okay, we're not doing any of this. And so that was um, obviously a shock. And so it basically turned me off of it. And I was like, no, we're not doing this at all kind of thing. And so, um, from there, James started leading by example. He started biking to work, um, taking all of his food, like taking his own lunch to work. And not that we really ate out for lunch, um, anyways, but he started, you know, biking to work, taking his lunch to work, doing everything that he could and leading by example. And then from there, that kind of got me on board, but the thing that really um, got me on board <laughs> was that uh, I didn't have to work for the rest of you know my working career, I guess. And I hated my job. And knowing that I didn't have to you know to work at that job for thirty years kind of uh, really got me. That's good enough yeah. motivation. Yeah, <laughs> Hell definitely. of a selling point. It was. It was. <laughs> yeah, leading by example usually works. Uh, that's kind of what, yeah, it's kind of what happened with my wife as well. So very similar story there, I guess. Um, so how about, um, <clears throat> how about the real estate? Where, what kind of real estate do you invest in? How did that start? Right. Cause you, you, I guess we've been talking about how real estate, uh, is a good vehicle for reaching those goals, those financial freedom goals. Right. But how'd you get started? So you mentioned a house hack. We know that, but what about the other nine, eight units properties? I don't know what the makeup is. Yeah, so we have uh, 10, 10 units total now, and uh, but then, so what we did was 
the first place that we bought was like a conscious effort. We bought a condo that we planned to live in for a year. And then from there, we would move out and rent it out. And we weren't planning on moving out at the time that we did the house hack. But because we uh, we found this property that had a mother-in-law apartment off the back, and while we were under contract for that, two other properties popped up that were being sold by the same owner. It was two duplexes side by side, and from there we didn't we didn't have the cash on hand to put twenty five percent down on each of these properties because all the places that we had bought, um, especially in the accumulation phase, were just like typical conventional financing and so we had to put down 25 percent because they were multifamily. we didn't have the cash so we decided that we would move into one of them which was the most expensive one that way we could put the least amount down on that one and then so then we had the free cash to buy the other two properties so we ended up going from one unit which was a condo uh that we lived in at the time to six units um closed in a month and so then we we had seven at that point and that was really like that really pushed the ball forward kind of got the avalanche going on on our accumulation portion of it and these are uh, located in your backyard or are they i mean i guess in the sense at least some of them because you live there but are all of the 10 units now i guess in your backyard they are, yeah. So they're all located in North Alabama. Now we we are no longer local to North Alabama for most of the year, but the properties are all still there. And I think you self manage, right? We do, yeah, a hundred percent self manage. So we have five long term rentals and five short term rentals. So how do you manage all of that to, to not overload the term manage? I guess, but um, if you're traveling across the globe, you know, for a large part of your time, you're not local to that market for most of the year, as you just mentioned. Um, how does this not you know, suck up all of your time. We have, uh, we set up systems in place where we don't have to be local. So we have a good handyman. Uh, we have a good cleaner for our short-term rentals. We have, uh, everything online, like, you know, uh, for our long-term tenants, everything's online and, um, our phones, you know, we can do everything from, from our phones for that. Exactly. Yeah, the point being there and why I was asking kind of tongue in cheek, right, is that just to, to, you know, kind of illustrate that it's possible, right? You can be, you know, both financially free, but have time freedom to do whatever it is you want and have in your case, you know, 10 properties or 10 units and manage them yourselves. Right. So that, that's fantastic. How about in, in all of these things that um, you've achieved thus far, right? What's your favorite like success story that you like to share with others? Oh, I don't know. That's a good question. I mean, I think just reaching financial independence in the time that we did is a success story in and of itself. And, um, you know, neither of us came from a background where our families really invested, especially my family, like they have no means to invest. And so to go from like zero, essentially, because we, we luckily didn't have any debt. Like I'd mentioned when we kind of started on this journey, we didn't have student loans or anything like that, but that wasn't that, again, that wasn't for lack of trying. I went to a local community college and so I just went on Pell grants, but, um, so we, we started off at ground zero and then from there just kind of accumulated really quickly. And that was, not necessarily against the advice of our families. Our families just didn't understand what we were doing. So we didn't really have a support system. And so one of the key things is if you believe in something enough, like you can make it happen. You don't have to have everybody on board with you. You don't have to have, you know, your whole family or your friends rah rahing behind you. Like none of ours really understood what the hell we were doing. And, and, and even still some don't. Um, and so I think that that that's probably the success story to me is that, you know, if you have a goal, 
goal. You can achieve it. You don't you don't need a huge support system. If you have yourself that believes in it, and especially if your spouse is on board, then you can achieve a lot. Absolutely. And I'm just curious to hear, you know, for you, you know, how has the the definition, I guess, of success changed over time, right? I'm just curious, like in your journey, was, you know, success at one point in time all about work and maybe scaling there and growing there? And then obviously it shifted to, you know, success might mean for us right now financial freedom, but you've reached that now. So what does it mean today? Can, how how has that definition of success changed over time and what does it mean now? So I don't want to speak for Emily, but my version of success was like driving a nice car, having nice things, like living in a nice house, and all the outward appearance of success, despite the fact that you have no money to speak of, essentially, right? So outwardly, you, it looks like you're doing great, but yeah, and you could be, you know, there are plenty of people that are doing really well. For us, that is, for me at least, that's no longer the idea of success. Once we kind of hit our number, and it could have easily have turned into this like, hamster wheel of trying to accumulate more properties just for the sake of saying that we have more doors. And so that that can be some people's version of success. For us, like we want the minimal amount of properties with the like enough to cover our, all our expenses and then some because we're still accumulating properties here and there while also having the least amount of headaches and being able to f freely travel. So that is still success for me is the fact that we can just up and go, like we mentioned earlier uh, off off the uh, podcast that, you know, we just got back from a seven week trip across Europe and we're able to manage the whole time from afar. Didn't have to worry about like scheduling PTO or coming back and getting straight to work. Like I took a five hour nap yesterday <laughs> and uh, just to try to get that's back on the time nap. zone. Five yeah, hours? yeah, that's what she would say too. That's, what that's she more said. than my three-year-old girl I sleep. So that's not a nap anymore. I'm just trying to get back on the right time zone. And so for me, just an afternoon nap slowly dwindled into 10 o'clock dinner. And then I went back to bed after that. So, And how about you, Emily? Is is What does success mean for you Today, what did it mean yesterday? Do you have an idea of what it might mean tomorrow? So I think um, before it would have been the same thing that James said, you know, the um, nice car, house, you know, all of the like outwardly appearances, but also being able to like scale up at work and um, trying to, you know, get to the next level and that kind of thing. But also, I guess now it would be more um, like happiness and you know like our you know we're happy with how our life is now and we um you know enjoy it and everything and i feel like that's um like you know today that's you know success so how about like if i uh you know the flip side of that question all about you know good success stories do you have and if you do of course if you don't mind sharing like an incredibly difficult time in your lives um, that you went through and kind of, uh, what mindset you were in and what helped you kind of get out of those hard times. The, the one that I can think of particularly, um, is we, we had an eviction on one of our long-term rentals. And so this was the most expensive property we had bought to this point. And it was supposed to be the safest property because it was a three bed, two bath and a good school district and all this stuff. And again, most expensive, highest rent. And the first person that we placed in there, we, we had to evict. And I was like, you know, concerned very much so because we had just depleted all of our cash almost to get the property. And, and then it's not an income producing asset anymore. And so I was like, you know, that was, that was the first kind of 
roadblock that we had encountered on our investing journey to the point that like we were like you know this is this sucks you know do we even want to do this anymore or you know and we did we did like make a pretty quick decision to sell the property and now if i could go back would i have not sold that yet i'm positive i wouldn't have i would have kept it but we were just so eager to kind of be rid of that headache and kind of attributed it to the property more so than it was definitely like a um it was a screening fault on our part because we were so eager to get somebody in there and so that was that was definitely on our, on us it was something that we could control and so that's something that we've made a point to to assess in the future and to not like pull the trigger too quickly on a decision when we're being emotional about something mm-hmm. and i'm curious when you so maybe this is uh, maybe you just answered this question here but you said you had to or you sold the property i'm curious if you sold it because of financial reasons, meaning you couldn't hold on to it, or if it was more an emotional thing and, you know, the the scare, maybe for lack of a better term, that said, let's, you know, get rid of this quote unquote problem. I think it was a, an emotional thing. Yeah, Like for we sure. just, we kind of, um, we, it was one of those where like, we just been burned. And so we just didn't want to have anything to do with the property. And so it was like, let's get rid of this as fast as we can, because we don't want to had the same mistake happen because this was, you know, our biggest property. We hadn't placed a tenant in the first tenant that we did place in a property that large fell through. And so it was, you know, one of those where we just wanted to get rid of it as quickly as possible. Yeah. And our, our niche is kind of, especially now at that time, we were just buying anything that we could. And our niche now is more one bed, one bath, like smaller properties. That's a majority. We like, love those. Yeah, eight of eight of our ten are one bed, one bath, like small properties, and this was the opposite of that. And so, and it just so happened that when we finally got the eviction done and everything like that, it was coming up on spring and summer, and so it was like the perfect time for for selling. And so that's that was kind of a, a big part of it as well. And then we just took that cash to buy a different property instead that kind of fit into our portfolio a little better. It's been successful too. I'm I'm curious because um, I find it very interesting that you said it yourselves. Right? It was an emotional sale because of this, you know, hard times, and you kind of felt like you needed to get out of this property. Yet you obviously continued your real estate investing journey, right? How how do you get back on the horse? I guess, for lack of a better, you know, term, because that's I feel like a lot of people they go through, you know, a horrible situation like an eviction or a tenant trashing the place or. They lose money on the first acquisition, whatever it may be. And then they're like, oh, yeah, I don't, I'm done. This is not for me. This is horrible. Yet, I mean, that was obviously not your case. So, what was your mindset, I guess? And how do you continue? So, I think part of it was, I think that was probably property number eight or nine as far as doors go. And so, with all the others doing well, it was still like, like, okay, this is a one off situation. We just, bought the we didn't buy the wrong property we just placed the wrong tenant too quickly and through the process of the sale and then having the cash on hand that makes you feel a little better about your your mistake because we ended up selling it for a profit anyway and so that that kind of helped and then from there we definitely took a step back as opposed to saying okay now let's liquidate the entire portfolio we just said you know okay that's not the type of property that works for us we should just buy our bread and butter essentially mm-hmm. But if you had the opportunity for another three, two, um, you know, whatever, you know, literally meaning an opportunity off market or a, a good deal, right? Would you would you do it knowing that it's more about maybe placing the tenant than the property itself? 
if I could get it at that price again, absolutely. Yeah, but well, the problem yeah, who, is who now the market. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The market's gone up so much, and so um, it's it's something that we've explored in the future because like we're we're talking about you know if we have kids, if we don't have kids, like would we want to live in that type of property? So would we convert a rental into our personal residence? That type of thing. So I'm never going to say no to a property. It's just not necessarily what we kind of focus on. And if you could go back in time, what would you do different to kind of fast track where you're at now? I would be more creative with our financing. Yeah. Because we passed up on a couple of really good deals um, that I think were like slam dunks. They were like the perfect properties and the perfect locations. And we just didn't have cash on hand to do like a traditional conventional financing. And so we said, oh, okay, well, I guess that means we can't get it. And at that time, we were not creative with like the structuring of the deals, seller financing, hard money loans, anything like we had. We had no clue. And uh, and so we missed out on a lot of really good deals. Not that like I'm too upset about that. We're happy with what we have, but it could have it could have gone even quicker had we been willing to partner with someone or, you know, get a little more creative with with the deal acquisition. Obviously, you folks are givers, right? Your Instagram bio says uh, shitty jokes, great advice, um, which I love, by the way. Um, so when you encounter, uh, you know, folks who are kind of glass half empty instead of glass half full or people who are interested in the things that you do and maybe jealous about the things that you do and want a little bit of that for themselves, right? What, uh, what's your favorite piece of advice that you give people? to kind of get started, to, to take action, to take that first or next step? So I guess with real estate, um, it would be uh, house hacking because that's how we got started. Um, we bought a place knowing that we were only going to be there for a year and then rented out. And, you know, there's always multifamily properties because we lived in a house with the mother-in-law apartment and we lived in the apartment and rented out the house and people were questioning that. So... Um, I think that is a, you know, a good place to start and, you know, for like advice too. And just for those who don't know, can you just let us and let the audience know what is house hacking? So house hacking is where you buy a property as a owner occupied. And so when you do that, you can put less down, what is it? 5%. Yeah. And you can live there for a year and then move out and still keep that same financing and so it's, you know, living there for a year, renting it out, and, or, you know, buying a multifamily property, living in one unit, still as owner-occupied, and then renting out the rest. And then that way, the your tenants pay for your mortgage or, you know, utilities, whatever that may be. And James, I think you were going to say something. Yeah, I was going to say, so the advice that I would give to someone is, one, get started, like, because there's so many people, I know people that have read way more real estate books than me. They've consumed more podcasts. They've taken more courses. They've done so much more as far as education and they've not bought a single property. And real estate isn't for everyone. You know, you have to have the right stress level. You have to have the right demeanor. Um, everybody can buy it. I don't think everybody can manage it, but a key part of that is getting started. You know, the consumption of information just for the consumption of information isn't helpful. And so running numbers on deals that way, when a property does pop up, that is a good deal. You already know that it is, um, you know, and kind of networking and just anything that you can do to get started. And you don't have to do something that costs you money to get started. You know, you, you can do education, you can network, you can do all these different things that doesn't cost you money 
but you, you won't get a property unless you start making offers. And so that's a key part of it. Awesome. I love it. And uh, I want to start getting you out of here. Be mindful of your time here. You mentioned reading real estate books. Do you have a, a book that you like to recommend uh, folks, you know, real estate or otherwise, but um, curious to hear what that is. So I have two. Um, one would be Set for Life by Scott Trench. That one's a good one for for us. It's like people our age, kind of younger crowd of people that um, are willing to house hack and do all these different types of things. And he breaks it down in an easy to understand manner and kind of getting your money right and the right steps that you should take. Another one that I really like is Retire Early with Real Estate by Chad Carson. Um, so Coach Carson has a ton of information online and um, he... He wrote a book and it covers a bunch of different methods of how to retire with real estate. And at the end of every chapter is like a profile of someone that has retired doing some some form of real estate and none of them are the same. And so, you know, some of them are reverse mortgages. Some of them are hard money loans. Some of them are short-term rentals, long-term rentals, um, you know, storage units, just all the different types of niches that you can kind of get into. And someone has retired early with that. And he's kind of profiled them in that book, which I, I really like as well. Yeah, Coach Carlson has awesome content. And both those books are awesome recommendations. Uh, Emily, are those the same for you? Or do you have others or another? Um, I have um, not uh, real estate, I guess, so much as like financial independence is um, Rachel Richards books. So there's um, Money Honey and then Passive Income Aggressive Retirement. And those are really good, too. Mm-hmm awesome books. How about a piece of uh, software or tool or piece of technology that you use on a regular basis that kind of helps you, you know, achieve success or manage your lives? So we use Price Labs for our pricing, our dynamic pricing on the short-term rentals. And that has taken a lot off of our plate because before we were using Airbnb's dynamic pricing and it doesn't really adjust anything. Um, and so we, we probably left thousands and thousands of dollars on the table because we didn't use it earlier. And so by doing that, you know, it automatically adjusts our prices up and down based on demand, on length of stay, on, you know, all sorts of different types of things, seasonality, you can change all these different parameters. And so that's a much easier way to do it. And now I know if someone books, they've booked it for an appropriate price. And that's made that's made life a lot easier on us because I'm not having to research what events are happening in town and raising the prices accordingly. So that that one's been a life changer for for me. Awesome. Well, last question here, or maybe technically, I guess, last couple of questions before I let you go. Uh, how can people? Uh, how can sorry, our audience help you? And how can that audience reach out to you if you so choose? You do a lot of amazing stuff online. So plug away. So we are on Instagram at Rethink the Rat Race. You can uh, send us a message, uh, comment, you know, whatever. And then we also have our website at uh, rethinktheratrace.com. Yep. And so those are the two places that we're probably the most active, mostly Instagram, to be yeah. honest. So if you want to support us, give us a follow, comment on something, you know, let us know if you like any of the content or if you hate it, let us know all the same. <laughs> what you want to see more of. Yeah. Yeah. One of my favorite follows. Um, so yeah, go there, follow, comment, like, I love the advice, uh, you know, whether it's real estate or financial or travel hacking advice, it's really awesome. Emily James, thank you so much for your time and hopefully we'll have you back on soon. Well, thank you all for being part of this great conversation with Rethink the Rat Race, Emily and James. And as always, we've gathered all of the important links from the to, from today's show and the conversation and dropped them in the uh, show notes here. So feel free to go check those out. 
And, um, you know, last request from all our listeners and viewers here, uh, we have one favor to ask. If you found any value in this content, would you mind spreading the word? Share this with a friend, coworker, family member. And even better, if you could head over to whatever platform you're watching or listening to this on and leave us a review and comment on, um, you know, social media and engage with us. We love to engage with our audience. You know, we'll talk to you uh, on the next one. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, another episode of The Gentle Art of Crushing It. It was an amazing episode. We know we sure learned a lot, and we hope you did as well. We want to take a second and thank you so much for viewing or listening to this episode. And please just know that we only ask for one favor, and that is to make this life magnificent. Thank you, and have a wonderful day.